What is up, HMA Wrestling fans? I have something to tell you guys about Tony Rotundo and his company, Wrestlers Are Warriors. Tony Rotundo is an amazing photographer um, who dedicates most of his um, pictures and time to wrestling and growing this wonderful sport. He has dedicated a lot of his time and effort to helping HMA Wrestling grow, and uh, he's he's donated a lot of his um funds and and advice for us so please show the love for us and and to him and go check out his website that is wrestlersarewarriors.com please go check that out look at his awesome photos and, and maybe buy some so uh yeah check out tony rotundo wrestlersarewarriors.com i appreciate it guys We are back for the 25th episode of Home Mount Advantage Podcast. I am Sam Herring, joined once again by our man Mason Beckman out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How are you doing today, Mason? Good. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk some wrestling, start uh, recapping what's been going on this last week, and maybe preview a little bit about what's going to go down uh, next week. Yeah, it's a great time of year, man. You know, especially in the Olympic year where things are kind of a little bit front-loaded. Um, we're getting into conference duel season, which is super exciting. You know, you got duels like crazy. The Big Ten goes Friday, Sunday every week. And then there's duels through the, from the other conferences that are just scattered throughout. Um, then, obviously, you got the international stuff, the freestyle stuff going on in Italy. So it's exciting. Gotta love it. This is definitely a great time to be a wrestling fan. There's so much action as we speak. There are duels going down. Um, Minnesota, Michigan State's going down right now. Wyoming Seminary's taking on Blair tonight. So there's a lot of stuff um, happening as we speak. Um, but, I mean, just jumping right into it, let's talk a little bit about what happened last weekend and some of the biggest storylines come out of Iowa. Uh, they dueled Indiana and Purdue uh, last weekend, and, and probably the biggest storyline came out of uh, Abe Asad, Abe Asad pulling his red shirt. That was uh, that was pretty big. How, how do you feel about that, Mason? What do you think went into that decision? And do you think it's going to work out well for the Hawkeyes? Yeah, I, I, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised. Initially, I was pretty shocked, to be honest, from the standpoint of. Wilkie and Nelson Brands are both really good options, and I don't necessarily think that Assad is. I think Assad's the best of the bunch right now, and for sure long term. I mean, obviously this is Wilkie's last year, but I think Assad is the best of the bunch both right now and long term. But this year, you know, I don't necessarily think that any of them are. You know, I don't think Assad is like a surefire finalist or anything like that, right? where you you know for sure what you're getting when you pull the red shirt. Uh, but the flip side right. of it is, you know, Penn State and Ohio State are the only teams that won team titles in the last decade. So, or they've won the last nine, I think it is, whatever that statistic is. So it's been a decade since I was won. I think 2010 was the last time that the Hawkeyes won a team title. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and for, for Iowa, that's that's forever. Right. That's, you know, that that is um, not necessarily in my eyes, but if you're an Iowa fan, a lot of times that's not acceptable to not win for a decade, which is just crazy to think about. But um, so I think Coach Brand sees a window 
right? They've got the lineup to do it. They've got the hammers to do it. And I think he's just going full throttle to win. Like every stop, whether, you know, pulling everybody out of red shirt, if it gets him a half a point extra or 20 points extra, I think they're pulling out all the stops. Yeah, that's that's got to be what's what's going on there. And I feel like um, what Iowa is thinking is they're going all in this year. I mean, the, the point differential between a guy like Cash Wilkie or Nelson Brands and uh, Abe Asad is probably a little bit in favor of Assad, but it can't be that much that um, it's going to drastically change the the side of the performance that they're going to have at NCAAs. And I guess that just shows how much that the staff at Iowa is buying into winning this national title this year. Um, and something they say is like they want to win every single year, and, and it's no different. But at the same time, I feel like they're going really hard for this year. And, and you can tell that they're going all in. And, and with that, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw in a guy like um, Jaden Ironman, if they, if they can, if they can throw him in, I would not be surprised because again, they're going for, they're going all in this year. And uh, yeah, I would not be surprised to see Jaden Ironman come out of red shirt. I think what they're doing right now is, is really awesome. And if they can continue to push that, then I will not be surprised. Yeah, Ironman is a super interesting situation. You know, he obviously w- he wasn't even enrolled first semester, so obviously he could have enrolled at the you know during the break. I know like a week or so ago that mm-hmm. he still wasn't enrolled or he wasn't listed in the student directory. So I have no idea what's happened between now and then. Obviously, he sent a tweet that said something about a one-tooth, you know, when they were talking about Spencer and DeSanto was the best one-two punch, that he said one I mean, that could mean anything, and it could also yeah. be Jaden just messing with people on social media, which, if that's what it is, I respect it so much, because that's hilarious. <laughs> that is funny, yeah. I, just, I the- just hope he doesn't have to, I just hope that it is true, uh, because that would be so awesome to get to watch him again. And I think it's going to be good for his wrestling. Like, a, a bracket without Yanni is obviously going to be really good. Right. And in some ways, it might... You know, if he comes back, he's the guy. He's for sure right. the guy. To, right. I, I mean, and that's no disrespect to anybody. Luke Pletcher is absolutely astounding in every way. But I think if Ironman comes back, I think he's your number one. Well, so... now, Nick Lee, Nick Lee teched Ironman at Senior Nationals. So what 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 are we to make of that? For sure. I, I think that's – I mean, there's definitely something to be said for it, right? But Ironman has beaten him, I think, every time in folk style, right? Um, and I, yes, I think yes. Jay, I, th- I think Ironman's a better folk style wrestler. I think that the way that he scrambles and how good he is on top, especially the way he wrestles on top, comes into play a lot more in folk style. Um, now, having said that, if Nick Lee – were to beat him in folk style, and if Nick Lee were to beat him by four or five, it would in no way surprise me. Nick Lee's that good, and and I think there's more guys at 41. You got Lee, you got Demas, you got Pletcher. Obviously, if Ironman came back into the mix, so you got a bunch of guys, and there's more than just that group. Right, you got a group of really good guys. You know, I, I think that people are characterizing it, and for sure, like obviously Yanni not being there does open the window because. You know, Yanni's won both of the last two. But just because Yanni isn't there doesn't mean it's some empty weight class. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, for sure. 
But uh, looking looking outside of that one red shirt um, being pulled in Assad and Ironman, um, what do you make of their performance at Indiana? It's kind of hard because they destroyed Indiana, and yet I still feel like they did not look very good. Guys like Kemmerer looked gassed at the end of the match, and they just didn't put up great points. Lugo didn't look very good, um, and then came back that next Sunday and looked amazing against Purdue. Uh, Kemmerer was able to get three takedowns in the third period against Lighty, and Lugo looked really good against a better opponent and Nate Limix. So what what do you make of that? Just Is that probably like a mentality, weight cut, peak thing? Why do you think uh, they looked better against Purdue? Could be a lot of reasons. Um, one of the most overlooked is training phases. So now obviously that wouldn't necessarily mean that they would look bad on a Friday and good on a Sunday, but college wrestling seasons are really long and a lot of teams go through a bit of a ramp up in their training phase when the year turns over and you get into early January and everything. They go through another hard training phase because you can't just tone it down all year, right? You have to go through many peaks and then peak big at the end. So it could be a training phase thing where your legs, you know, across the board as far as the team goes, maybe based on what workouts they've been doing, their legs are tired and that shows up. Could be a travel thing. Um, you know, travel's never easy. It could be, you know, something on the academic side. I have no, I don't think they've started classes yet. But, you know, it's always hard, like, when you're competing during midterms or competing during finals. Like, that stuff sucks. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff, man. And then there's the ever mysterious, they were just flat. You know, I've been part of teams that we had performances where you could feel it while it happens as a group for some, some reason you're flat, right? Right. So it could be anything. And it's crazy that Iowa has a team that, 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 that's good enough that they can put up a performance like what they did Friday and you and I are sitting here in full agreement that we don't think they looked great. It is really crazy that that's how it can go down. Um, it, they're just such a talent this year um, that that can happen. And, and we like it's not even like we notice. It's like they blanked Indiana and were criti- criticizing how they looked. It's just uh, an outlier for sure in the wrestling teams that we've seen. But, um, I mean, the way that – they bounced right back against Purdue. The The win that Kemmerer had over Lighty was so impressive, and it makes me really wonder if um, if Kemmerer is at the top right now for for the country. If, if he can knock off Mark Hall, um, that's going to that's gonna be really, really helpful for Iowa um, looking forward. For sure. And Mikey, Mikey's just really, really good. You know, and the, it happens when you sit out a year with an injury – you just kind of fall out of the the public eye, right? You fall out of the top. You're not one of the topics of conversation. And, and you know, Mark Hall deserves to be the clear number one. He's never lost to anybody at that weight other than, well, now nobody, right? The only other guy was mm-hmm. Zahid. So, right. well, Zahid and Bo. So, um, so, yeah, you know, Mark deserves to be the guy. And then your two, three, either way around is Cutler and Kemmerer, which – that's a match that would be super fascinating because they're very different. And I that's one for me. I mean, obviously, you know, 
I was teammates with one and I've known Mikey for a long time. So it would be super, right. you know, I'm kind of in both guys camps. Um, and I like both of them a lot and like both the way they both wrestle, but that one's going to be super interesting because Mikey's going to shoot like crazy. It's yeah. what he does. And Cutler is best when you attack him. So mm-hmm. it's going to be really interesting because they're both going to be put in a spot. Like they're both going to be in their best spot. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how that plays out because there's not going to be a whole lot of game planning of like, hey, we got to stay out of his best position. They're going to go straight up to this is where we're both best and whoever's better at it, which is what you want, right? That's Those are the most exciting matches. For sure. And, uh, well, you know, Mikey grew up not too far from you, went to Franklin Regional. What's that, about 30, 40 minutes away from you? Uh, from where I grew up, it's like an hour and a half, I would say. Okay. Um, I was well north of Pittsburgh. Yeah. But from, yeah, from where I'm at now, it's not that far at all. You know, and Mikey, uh, growing up was, you know, he would come into the same club that that I grew up in, and I'm actually helped coach now. So, you know, I've watched I've watched Mikey wrestle a bunch from the time he was a kid, and um, yeah, just seen him a lot, and like the, the same kind of thing with Cutler. In my time at Lehigh, as soon as Buxton became our RTC coach, um, or I should say the Lehigh Valley RTC coach, there's technically not an affiliation, <laughs> but Cutler, you know, was a Buxton product, was one of his club kids, and obviously a Blair Academy kid in uh, in Buxton's later years there. So he started coming over to our to RTC practices with Buxton, and um, so I got to know Jordan. Probably when he was like a freshman in high school, just a little baby faced 106, which is crazy. If you go dig up a picture, go back and watch watch national preps, Cutler's freshman year, it doesn't even look like the same kid. Um, you've got this just mm-hmm. enormous 74 pounder now, and he was, I mean, he could have passed for 11 or 12 years old. Dang. Yeah, he was little, man. So, That's but no, funny. it'll be good. And, you know, are, are they dueling sometime soon? Uh, I want to say that Lehigh does. I want. I guess if they haven't wrestled yet, they probably won't. Um, but for some reason, earlier this year, I had it in my head that Lehigh and Iowa would wrestle. But I guess they're not. I, 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 no, I, I we're in conference. Are. No, yeah, I was gonna say we're right. in conference dual season, so they don't. Yeah, you're right. So. I mean, you got to believe unless something strange happens between now and the national tournament and looking through looking through schedules and everything, it's hard to imagine either one of these guys getting beat other than, you know, Mikey and Hall will wrestle. Right. So somebody there's got to lose. But say rankings hold and those are the and they're the two and three. You know, that would be a national semi that would just be a ton of fun to watch. So For sure. Um, I would much rather that over Hall Cutler. It seems like the, their matches have been fairly uh, low scoring and, and very little entertainment there. And I feel like uh, it would be a much more fun semifinal against um, Mikey and, and Cutler. Yeah, I think Hall and Cutler are the, – the fundamentals there are kind of similar in that they are both best when – you attack them, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, Mark Hall obviously has 
a thousand different ways to generate offense. He's got all kinds of different ways to score. But I think if you really drill down, he is at his best when guys attack him um, and his counter stuff gets going, right? I think that's pretty well documented. And Cutler's kind of the same way. You know, he can generate offense for sure. But from the time he was, from the first time I worked out with him when he was a freshman in high school, you know, he he's the same way. He's very, very good when uh, you attack him and that's how he gets his hands going and he can run himself to a corner. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, Cutler's not a volume shooter, right? And neither right. neither of those guys are volume shooters. And that's only only exacerbated more when they're wrestling each other because, obviously, if you're wrestling Mark, if you're going to pull the trigger, you got to really hit him and get through him because if you don't score, you're getting scored on. There's really mm-hmm. no in-between. So, you know, for Cutler, for anybody, if you're going to pull the trigger on Mark – you got to be really smart about how you do it. And the flip side too, I think is for Hall, he doesn't have any reason to overextend and go chase trying to attack guys because he knows eventually they have to attack him. Um, And he does, he attacks obviously against very high level guys. He does it all the time, Um, but he does the same thing. He picks his spots and he goes. So yeah, I agree. I would rather see Mikey wrestle Cutler or Mikey wrestle Hall just in a vacuum as far as entertainment value, I think those two right. matches would be more fun than Cutler and Hall. Especially Cutler and Hall have wrestled, uh, it's got to be three or four times by yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they've wrestled a lot over the past couple of years. Especially, like, both these guys are seniors now. Um, they've they've definitely wrestled their share over the last couple of years. Right, and what's interesting is the last one they wrestled, the Le- the duel at Lehigh this, this season, was the one with the most action. Um, it was the first time that Cutler scored offensive points against them. Um, you know, and there was that, you know, Mark built a pretty good lead. I think he took him down twice to start. And then Cutler took him down. And there was that kind of crazy sequence where Mark, where Hall tried to, I don't know if it was a Grammy, but he tried to roll through after Cutler had been awarded a takedown. And the ref was hustling around. And there was a whole Twitter conversation about whether or not, I mean, there was a conversation at the time mm-hmm. about whether or not Hall was pinned. I mean, I don't think they made a bad call and not calling. Yeah, I, think, I remember that one. That was uh, uh, that was tight. Yeah, and I think theoretically, like you can sit there and say that he was in criteria for long enough, right. but I don't. I, I think the right call was made to not call it there. I think that would have been a little quick, but, um, but. Again, the original point there being that the most recent one was the most exciting one. So, who knows? Maybe if they hit again, it'll be the best one we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think for sure that's how it's going to work. And um, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be tough uh, looking forward. And who's going to predict? Like, if Mikey uh, falls to a guy like Lighty, maybe later in the season, Big Tens or something like that, uh, what do the seeds look like? It's just going to be a mess at that weight. Really excited to look forward to that. Um, but what else went down this last weekend? Uh, Wisconsin wrestled Nebraska. That one looked great. And it was, it was kind of weird that, um, how good Wisconsin looked. The crowd was all into it. I don't know if you watched that one or not, but, um, it was just, I mean, Wisconsin took every tight match there would have been into their hands. And, uh, I mean, Tristan Moran upset Chad Red and then ended up knocking off McKee too. He was number two in the country. Um, really crazy. 
what went down there. And, uh, yeah, just Wisconsin looked amazing in their matches. Uh, Dupre got knocked off. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff to di- digest from this last weekend. For sure. So, you know, starting with Wisconsin and the weekend that they had, the the Nebraska duel, the Wisconsin-Nebraska duel was a ton of fun to watch for all sorts of reasons. You know, Wick and Isaiah White are always fun. It's, a, it's so interesting, too. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I do think... I do think that Wick is just a little bit better than White, um, at least consistently. You know, mm-hmm. I think for some reason White has a tendency to take losses that are a little strange. That could be my imagination. That's just gut feeling. But, um, yeah, I mean, Wick's never lost to him, right? I think he's 3-0 and now, 4-0 and now, whatever it is. So, and that match... 5-1. and one. Five, Okay. So, you know, he's won the vast majority of them. And that match that happened over the weekend, Wick pounded him. Um, you know, it was almost Wick at one point actually had a major and cut him to get another takedown. So, yeah, that that was super interesting. Uh, Tristan Moran, you talk about a guy that's fun to watch, man. Um, does some really bizarre things, but and his match with Chad Red was so strange because it went from him losing to him blowing Red out. In what felt like five seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. I, I he got two cradles that locked up, and I tweeted uh, that Tristan Moran just Chad Redded Chad Red twice in one match. And it was the same thing. Chad Red would get in on what I would call a high crotch, but it was a little bit more of like a head outside single. And what I mean by that was normally a high crotch, you're up high above the knee on the leg, but this time he was head outside, but really low on the leg. And so it gave Moran room to sit the corner on that and then find his cradle. Um, I, I don't know how that happened. Like, it's just really rare that you hit a guy with his go-to, with his strength, with what he's known for, and beat him off of it, especially twice, is uh, is really crazy. You rarely see that. Yeah, and Moran's the kind of guy that can do that. He is – you talk about a wild card. That's Tristan Moran. He's the kind of guy that – can beat just about anybody because I don't think he's a home run hitter in the sense that he's a huge pinner. Like we've seen some other guys be over the years, but Mm -hmm. he's a home run. Like he's a home run hitter in the sense that he's a big move guy and he is so dangerous in so many ways that he can get a set of four backs or get a six point move. You know, and then him and McKee, a train wreck of a match in the best possible way. I I agree. Uh, especially those two wrestlers are so tight. Uh, I mean, and they both are just gunslingers. Like, they throw it all out there. Makes for a tef- definite fun match every time you, you watch it. So, um, yeah, looking forward to their showdowns Looking moving forward. Um, obviously, they'll hit in the Big Tens and stuff like that. But, um uh, other than that, like, we could talk about Dupre getting knocked off by Weiler. I'm sure you're pretty familiar with that, uh, Yeah. how Weiler's been doing. Um, I'm sure you're pretty involved still, and you have been involved with, with Chris Weiler. So uh, how, how do you feel about that, and, and what do you think made Chris Weiler be able to show show up uh, against him but then got upset um, after that to Jonathan Lowell? You know, Weiler is a kid that two years ago, 
yeah, two years ago in uh, in Cleveland was a point away or something like that from from being an All American at 197 when he probably weighed 190 pounds. Weiler's really really good. He just has a little bit of Jackal and Hyde to him. Um, sometimes when he's on, you know, when he's on, he's really good, like ex- top shelf good. You know, obviously you beat mm-hmm. a guy like Dupree, and I don't know if you watched the match, but um, you know, it wasn't like he hit one big move and then kind of clutched and grabbed. He looked really good the whole time, you know, and Dupree took him down. Chris got a reversal, and then just controlled things from there, to be honest with you. He's really good on top. He's got a nasty far side cradle that you're never, until you're completely out from bottom, you know, it's never out of the question that he locks his hands and finds a way to put you on your back or pin you. Mm-hmm. So the win doesn't surprise me. But like I said, he's got some jackal on hide, so the loss doesn't necessarily surprise me either. And the Lehigh-Cornell rivalry you know, and speaking for personal experience, there are always some bizarre results in those duels. Something about those rivalry duels, you know, and they wrestled up in Ithaca, which is a really hard place to wrestle. Um, the Friedman Center up there, you know, it just feels like those people are literally right on top, you know, and it gets so loud. You know, even though the number of fans they can fit in there might not be what a rec hall or whatever can do or what right, a Carver right. Hawkeye can do, they pack that place and they just lose their minds in a good way um, yes for sure well in a good way if you're the home team but uh, um yeah you know so him losing I, I think that guy from Cornell what it might show on paper but again it's a rivalry duel um Weiler's kind of got a history of that right you have mm-hmm. a really good win and then a loss you go man I didn't expect that but neither one of those losses comes as a huge surprise to me for sure. Um, yeah, it's just going from, I mean, you're the number 21 guy. You beat the number five, one of the hottest guys in the country in Dupre, and then you, you take a loss to unranked guy. Um, but, yeah, it makes sense, everything you say. I, the Friedman Center's got to be just an electric place to wrestle. I, w- I went up there for a duel, their duel against NC State, and it wasn't in the Friedman Center. Um but it was still, like, the, the crowd that showed up was really into it. And I can just imagine what it would be like in the Friedman Center. Yeah, and, you know, I, I've only ever experienced it. Well, I did go there on an unofficial visit when they wrestled Iowa State. That was the day that uh, Nickerson pinned Andrew Long. But, um... Dang. Yeah. Yeah, it was a... They, both those teams were really good, but... And I, th- you know, Varner was in that duel. Dake was in that duel. Nickerson, uh, obviously Andrew Long, which there's a guy. This is not to totally derail this conversation, but I wonder what Andrew Long's doing these days. Me too. <coughs> I, I thought he would say involved in wrestling. I mean, he's a he's a pretty solid guy um, in his college career. I'm just I am curious that that is something that I've uh, I've thought about over the past couple of years. Just where's where's he been? Wonder if wonder if he's anywhere coaching or involved in anything yeah i mean who knows but but no so as far as you know other than that every time i competed up there obviously you know we the lehigh cornell rivalry and i don't think it comes as a comes as a surprise to say that those two fan bases hate each other Mm -hmm. and uh you know they're the only two programs that have won the eiwa title in like the last 15 years or something 
Um, that is so crazy. Lehigh at one point had won five straight. It was five or six, I think five. And then Cornell rattled off nine straight or whatever it was. Then Lehigh's won the last two. So it's it's at least 15 years straight that those are the two programs. And, um, you know, so depending on where you wrestle, if it's Friedman and you're wearing brown and white, it's it's really hostile. Um, and again, in a good way, in a competitive way, there's nothing like crazy out of line that's going on. But right, right, right. It's that place gets loud. They, I remember my redshirt sophomore year, we went up there and we just got throttled. We wrestled terrible. We got beat like, oh man, like 35 to six or something, or like 35 mm. seven. We got smashed. And we didn't wrestle in Friedman that time. We wrestled in the bigger gym where you probably saw them wrestle NC State. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember, and like I, it just kind of so happened that I was one of the two guys that won. Like I actually wrestled well that day, but just as a team, like you kind of, you live and die by the team, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember walking into the locker room afterwards and was like, well, that, uh, that sucked, huh? And yeah, none of the fans had left. By the time we like showered, changed and went to leave, all the fans were still there. Everybody still loved it. So uh, away duels at Cornell were not were not fun. Goodness gracious, that that sounds crazy. Uh, but I bet a fun experience for for fan or anyone anyone watching from the outside. Um, but yeah, I think the rivalry between Cornell and, and Lehigh will continue to grow, and just a healthy rivalry in the sport. Really, I really like that. But um, probably another big match over the weekend was. Uh, the match between Warner and Bruner. Uh, I mean, Warner is back up after losing to Aiello. He's back on uh, beat number two uh, behind yep. Colin Moore. So I guess that has to move him up uh, back to number two for Warner. I guess I don't. I don't know how the rankings will go there, but um, I mean, Warner looked really good again. Iowa was able to reel it back in and, and look amazing. I mean, he made an eight-two win. Got it. Nice tilt, so um, just really impressive run for for Warner, and interested interested to see where he goes from here. Yeah, uh, you hit the nail on the head. It was just it was a good bounce back against an elite guy after Midlands, where not the Jilo is not very very good. It's just not a match I expected Warner to lose really mm-hmm. ever, to be honest with you. Uh, um, the tilt was beautiful and yeah I mean that's just that's a match that like you said puts Warner back in that 2-3 spot uh, where him and Brucky fall it just depends on who you ask so um, or I guess Brucky beat him so probably Brucky would be the two but again you're you're splitting hairs um, well didn't uh, Warner come back and beat Brucky at Midlands too at third place match See, I thought it was the other way around. I thought Warner won the duel and Brucky won at Midlands. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, I think I think you got that right. Um, but either way, but but again, either way around, they're your two, two yeah. and three, and Brunner's your four. So it's going to be a super interesting, super interesting to see how that plays out. And I know this isn't super super recent. I mean, it's only a couple weeks, but. I'm looking at the rankings right now, and the guy below that group of four is Noah Adams. Mm-hmm. Which I know, like, 
100% deserves to be there after Penn and Traxler and everything. Right, right. Um, it's just a big drop-off of, of skill level. Um, and not to take anything away from Adams, but, um, I mean, he he just hasn't proved what the other guys have been able to prove, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a big drop-off, really. Yeah, no, I agree. I think those top four are pretty clear-cut, but the, the other side of that, too, is what Adams is doing for Flynn and for those guys at WVU, I think is is awesome to see. You know, they're in year two of a total rebuild. Um, you know, they're kind of, for lack of a better term, you know, they're they are they're in the process of stripping that thing down and rebuilding it in Morgantown. So to have a guy like Noah Adams that they inherited that is a West Virginia kid that is number five in the country as a sophomore is super important for that program, and it's awesome to see because they're – Really, really good people that are doing that are going to do good things at WVU, um, and they've got their but, first guy that's really making that yeah, kind of noise. For sure, and and Coach Flynn's just been doing a great job there. Um, after his move, it was just uh, like a lot of the Edinburghs left, Lugo and Sean Russell left, and um, there was just like some building up to do um, at West Virginia. And he's been doing a great job so far. Really impressive what he's been able to do. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. And that program, I think everybody's pretty much in agreement. It's just a matter of time until they are a consistent top 15, you know, that, that type of a, that type of a program. I think people rush to judgment and saying that certain programs are for sure going to compete for a team trophy all the time, because I don't, to be honest, I don't think people really – I don't think most fans grasp how outrageously difficult it is to win a team yeah. trophy. Especially yeah, you look at it, it right – it is really. Look, look, things that we know for sure, Penn State's going to win. Iowa's going to win one. Mm-hmm. And probably Ohio State. Maybe, yeah. You know, I f- you feel very confident in saying two of those three will. Then you've got Oklahoma State, you've got North Carolina State, you've got Virginia Tech, like you've got Missouri, who this year, you know, Mizzou's having a bit of a down year, but Mizzou is still a has been the definition of a consistent top eight program. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, yeah. So, you know, building into that tier, I think takes a very long time. Um. Although I say that, and Kale won a title in his second year at Penn State, so you know. But what do you say there? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it is. It is crazy, and like outside of the top two, it's hard. Like we say, I or Ohio State might win one, might not. Uh, Arizona State's up there. Um, they could yeah. win a team trophy. The team trophies are top four, right? That's what we're talking about here. Yep, top four. Okay, so. The Flo's rankings right now has it uh, Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin are the top four. And Wisconsin lost to Minnesota, who's fifth right now, and then Princeton's right outside of that. So there's a lot of talent. And then at number nine is Purdue, who's who's been looking amazing this season. Um, so it is it, – it's just crazy – the ability for room like I could totally see a a number 12 in NC State make it up there um Okie State who's number 15 right now could make a move I feel like it'd be it'd be a struggle with who they have right now but you bring Joe Smith in 
uh, pitcher Ninny makes a good showing. Stuff like that can can get you really high. And uh, yeah, I just the team race this year is really interesting. The Olympic year always adds um, a cool aspect to to the team race. Absolutely, and there's so many of these teams looking at it that so like Northwestern is sitting number eight right now. Northwestern could easily like super realistically have two champs in Rivera and Deacon. For and sure. if you put two sure. guys on top of the podium, that's 50 points right away. And that's what uh, Rutgers placed top 10 with last year is. Yeah. Were they, did they only get two champs? Like weren't, wasn't that their only points? They were their only all Americans. I think they had other guys winning matches, but you know, they didn't score a ton of points outside of that, but that's, that's a perfect illustration of what having guys in the finals, those high All-Americans and having guys win, it matters so much. Because, again, just looking at the point totals on Flo and Flo's thing here, 50 points makes you the number six team in the country, which is what two champs will give you. Without bonus. Without – yeah, without bonus, right? Right. So you got those two. You throw in like a Yaya Thomas – D'Augustino. D'Augustino, yeah, I could not think of his name. Yeah. You could have four All-Americans. If you put four All-Americans and two champs, you're rattling around in the conversation for a team trophy. You know, it's it's absolutely awesome that Princeton is ranked sixth in the country and is seriously in the conversation for a team trophy. It really is. Without, with, with, you know, if Kolodzik's in the lineup, which, think about this next year for Princeton. You have Glory, you have Kolodzik, you have Monday, and Brucky. You got okay. four guys. Yeah. yeah, you got four guys that could all... You got four top fours. Man, bring in Kolodzik. What's he doing? They need to get him back on the lineup. Right, but it's not like Mikey... I mean, don't get me wrong. He's better than D'Angelo, but it's not like right. he's that far removed from D'Angelo. Uh, For sure, yeah. Uh, like that, crazy, crazy far removed from him. So, I mean, yeah, D'Angelo's ranked eighth. That is... I mean, that's some depth right there that a lot of other programs don't have. I mean, even the top Penn State doesn't have that kind of depth. And it's just... Uh, yeah, it's it's really impressive what Princeton's been able to do with with the ad with the NJRTC lately. Just the moves that Reese Humphrey has made with these guys is uh, uncontested. Nobody's really been able to do that with the program in a very long time, and the way he's been able to turn that around has been truly amazing. The turnaround that Chris that, that Ayers, Dubuque, Sean Gray have have put together at Princeton, it's seriously you could make a very clear, very rational argument that it's the best, that it's the most dramatic turnaround of a program in college athletics history. They were the worst, unequivocally the worst program, the worst team in college wrestling when Ayers got there. It wasn't even a conversation. Um, and, I, I mean, it's probably, it's, it's been about a decade. They were so bad. They didn't have a qualifier for Ayers' like first five years. How crazy is that? New Jersey is such a good wrestling state. One of the top, undoubtedly, if not the best wrestling state there is. 
and their two programs, Rutgers and Princeton, are not able to to have that program without a serious serious help from coaches and stuff. The the fact that that's the case is crazy. Uh, and then what Ayers was able to do with what he had was amazing as well. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's been amazing. Um, you know, to do it at an Ivy League school, you know, one of the best schools on the planet in Princeton, which you have – there are advantages and disadvantages um, to it. I don't want to say disadvantages. There are hurdles. You know, obviously the admission standard is incredibly high, but – the mm-hmm. flip side is it's going to self-recruit a little bit because it's freaking Princeton. Right. Um, but but be it all the same, what what they have built there has been amazing, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. They're bringing in a great recruiting class. Um, you know, when we're talking about teams that are bringing in great recruiting classes too, on the opposite end of the spectrum, as far as a program that has always been really good, Oklahoma State is – Their I, recruiting not, class is just insane. I don't think it's really getting discussed enough in the long term. And obviously we're in the middle of the season, so we're not talking about the long term a whole lot. Right. They're going to be so – the young half of their roster combined with the recruiting class that they're bringing in is just going to be outrageous. When you talk about the Ferrari plot, the Master Giovanni brothers – Fix is going to be a sophomore next year. They're going to be stupid good. They are. And I, I I agree with you. Nobody's really been talking about that. Like, I could easily see them being the 22, 2022 national champs. Um, and nobody's really been discussing that too much. It's basically just been Iowa, Penn State all the way. Uh, but I, I definitely feel like people are discounting Oklahoma State's recru- recruiting class a good bit. Yeah, and it's you have to wonder because it's been quite a while since Oklahoma State won a national title, a team title. You got to wonder how much Coach Smith has been sitting in Stillwater. I, you know, obviously not thrilled about that, and you wonder if something in their recruiting process, methodology, you know, did something change? Right? Did something yeah. with the method change? Uh, um, never get a change, but the answer there is probably no, because they got like five of the top fifteen recruits or some ridiculous thing. But it's just it, it does make you wonder. Or did the the stars just align in this class? And everybody said yes. Um, For sure, yeah. And I, I feel like um, if that's how it's if that's how it's going to be, uh, Oklahoma State's going to be able to take it. Looking forward, like their recruiting class is so good, and one of the best that I've seen in my observation of wrestling, uh, which obviously hasn't been long, but at the same time, uh, it is just really, really good. I'm excited to see how they're able to perform. But um, talking a little bit about the uh, their recruiting class, we got um, Trevor Mastrovani and his brother, um, Travis, wrestling for Oklahoma State coming up soon. Um they're wrestling tonight against Wyoming Seminary. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. Um, guys, it's going to take down about going to go down in about thirty minutes. Um, so yeah, really excited for that. And uh, you got any thoughts on that? How how involved are you in high school wrestling? So high school, 
for me, you know, because I like I coach at the club level and everything. Mm-hmm. I pay I pay attention to it at a high at a very high level. Obviously, you know the names and you see the who the best kids in the country are, and you know live in and coach in Pennsylvania. You see who the best kids in the state are. I'm so focused for the most part on our guys, you know, the the club kids that we have, and you know, with all the way, you know, seven year old kid, you know, seven year old kids all the way up through high school, and the alum from the club when they come home from college, right? So, for for us, we're kind of so focused on the guys that we have that I don't see an insane amount of it outside of it, you know, so I don't follow it super, super closely, but like Blair and Sam, it's easy because they're all really good. And they're all guys that, you know, anyway, like your Bartlett's, your Van Ness's guys like that are household names in high school wrestling. Mm -hmm, And I don't know, I don't know how you wouldn't know them (laughs) to be, to be, to, to be completely honest. Yeah. And that's why I'm so excited for the duel tonight. Uh, who do you think is going to take it? Oh, man. I haven't run through the lineups. Gut feeling would say Sem, just based on how they looked at Iron Man. You know, I know both both teams didn't have their Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I lean, like I said, gut feeling le- makes me lean towards Sem. Um, especially now that, like, don't get me wrong, Blair is still Blair. But since Buxton left, and I, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear your opinion on this because obviously, uh, and I don't want this to sound wrong, but you know, when I was growing up, like when I was your age, Blair was it. They year in and year out when Buxton was there, they were just so much. Really a lot of times wasn't even a conversation about who the best team in the country was. You know, they would just boat race everybody all season long. Um, Every so often, you know, every other year or so, a St. Ed's, a St. Paris Graham would, would, have, would have the team. They'd put it together. They'd make a run. Sometimes they'd beat them, right? Sometimes the, one of those teams would win Ironman. But Blair was just so dominant for so long, and it feels like – and because of that, there was a mystique to Blair. You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of yeah. – it's like what Penn State has right now. There was just this underlying feeling that I don't know how, but Blair will figure it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know how, but they're gonna figure out a way to win this duel. They're gonna figure out a way to win the to win Iron Man or win Beast. You know, at that time, Beast was the best best in season tournament in the country. So, um, but I think that Blair is still incredibly revered and respected as it should be, and Coach Antonelli has done a phenomenal job. But I think that mystique isn't what it was, um, and from what I on the surface can look at, I think Sam's better right now. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think Buxton's leaving has, has left a little bit of the void in the mystique and everything that you said, I think is spot on. Um, and I have noticed that, um, and more so on the youth level. Um, I mean, that's where I'm competing right now. And the Buxton team, uh, that's basically Blair, um, has been going down steadily the last few years and and ever since Buxton left it's been a little bit different of a thing um so yeah I feel like they're they're kind of going on a downfall but at the same time like they're still bringing in kids like uh Mark Anthony McGowan Cody Chittum guys like that they're still bringing in and it doesn't look like they're stopping 
No, they're they're not going to stop. And I mean, you can see it flies under the radar a little bit now because Buxton's been gone from Blair for five six years, mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe more. But again, like Cutler, Joey McKenna, David McFadden is a Buxton product. Right. And you see these guys that permeate the college ranks now or some the world, you know, McKenna at the world level, um, that are Buxton's products. So, and, and the vast majority of them still feed to the Blair program. You know, none of that has changed. So, like, kind of like you said, Blair's not slowing down. Buxton's certainly not going to stop developing kids. <laughs> um, so it's, but it, it has changed a little bit. What do you think about tonight, though? Yeah, so... um I'm with you. I think Sam's probably going to take this one, but again, it's going to be really tight. Um, what Scott Green's been able to do over there has just been amazing. I'm going to plug one of our interviews. I think it was HMA interview number 18. It was a dual interview with Scott Green and Bo Barley kind of talking about uh, their wrestling and coaching careers and then as well as their relationship with each other. It's really awesome and really fun that I got to do. Um, but anyway, I think the top matches tonight are at 126 and 132 pounds, and that's Trevor Mastriavani versus Nick Buzakis. That's number four versus number one. And then number one versus number six, Shane Van Ness versus Drew Munch. Um, I think those are probably the headliners. Uh, obviously, getting to watch a guy like Bo Bartlett wrestle, a freshman prodigy, Cody Chittum, is going to be awesome. Um, l- lots of matches, like every match is going to be amazing. So, obviously, I- I'm looking forward to watching it. But um, I think those are the headliners. I agree. So who are you picking in each match? All right, we'll start at 26. I'm going to go with Nick Buzakis. Uh, he's just looks so good. Taking Iron Man. Um, also, I mean, I, I've grown up wrestling with Nick Buzakis, uh, wrestling around him. He's from Florida. I'm from Tennessee, so we've competed a lot. Um, at the same tournaments and stuff, and I've just been watching him dominate every scene that he's been on, um, and and that's moving into high school. Really glad he's made it to Sam, and he's he's looking he's looking good there. And he's, um, I mean, talked about in his in his interview. I thought it was really funny. He said he's putting a little bit of the meathead toughness with Scott Green's technique and strategy stuff, and it's working out really well for him. So, um, yeah, really really. Glad for Nick Buzakis and what's been going on with him and Sam. And I'm looking forward to him to wrestling tonight. Yeah, I would agree. I think you're pretty spot on there. I, I think Buzakis, not that this is an original opinion. I, I just think Nick is one of the best kids at any weight in high school wrestling. Um, he's just, he, he's a college wrestler in high school right now. Um, both the horsepower, the technique. The level of wrestling intelligence that he has, it's phenomenal. I will say this, though, and I don't mean this is a shot at Nick Buzakis, but did you watch Journeyman in the fall? I did not. The, uh, oh, I was standing right there and watched it happen. I can't remember the kid's name. Illinois kid. But Buzakis got headlocked and decked in the finals up there. Mm-hmm. It's the, it, it might be the nicest move still that I've seen anybody hit all season long. It was ridiculous. It was perfect. Um, so if you get a chance, go back and dig that up. It might have been Raggison. Okay. Yes, yes, that was him. Dylan Raggison, that was that was it. But 
yeah, as far as tonight goes, um, I'm going with Buzakis. I don't know how you can pick against the kid. For sure. Uh, and then looking up away from there, yet. Uh, Shane Van Ness versus Drew Much. I think this one's, again, a little bit one-sided. Uh, Shane Van Ness is number one in the country, but uh, Drew Much has been looking pretty solid this season. He's a senior for Sim, and, uh, you know, what he's been able to do lately has is, is been really impressive, but Shane Van Ness, just the way he's been able to, to compete at some tournaments and just blow everybody out of the water, his, his number one performance was spectacular. Uh, so really looking forward to see him wrestle tonight. I'm going to take Shane Van Ness to win this one. Yeah, Van Ness is hard to pick against. Munch looked incredible at Iron Man. He is as good on top as anybody in high school wrestling. Um, you know, he had a good power rate, too, honestly, outside of one sequence against Gabe Willishow, which shout out to my guy Gabe Willishow. But... Outside of one sequence against Willishow and, you know, Gabe, for those who don't haven't watched a whole lot of him, is ultra goofy, has a style all his own. And, like, the way Gabe pinned Will or pinned Munch, he can do that to anybody. So, you know, Munch gets put in a bad spot and decked by who obviously beat Alejandro the next match. So Munch has looked great all season long. You know, sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. you get got. Uh, but I'm with you. Van Ness, Van Ness is just too good everywhere. He's so polished. Um, he's so smart. He has so many different ways to score. And on top of all of that, he's an extremely good athlete. Um, so, so yeah, I think Van Ness is the pick. Um, I am really excited, you know, from a selfish standpoint about Drew Munch going to Lehigh and the jumps mm-hmm. that he's made. So that's, for me, that's super exciting. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I I think Shane Van Ness has just looked so good this season, and and that's that's about the headlines for that that matchup. Looking forward this, to this weekend. Um, I mean, there are some good good matchups going down. Gable Stevenson, number one, number two. Mason Paris is going down um, tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's gonna go down. 15 minutes is gonna start. That's gonna be amazing. Who you got? Gable, and to be honest with you, I don't think it's super close. I mean, I don't necessarily think he like, I don't necessarily think he bonus points him, but I just think Gable's that good, and I think incredibly highly of Mason Paris. I think he's a phenomenal talent. His technique is, you know, good size, which has been a big help for sure. But I don't know how you pick against Gable. You know, Kassar's done for the year. I think Gable is as clear of a favorite at, at as there is at any weight in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I, I'm with you. I think Gable Stevenson, I mean, this is pretty bad radio. We're making all the same picks, but these guys separate themselves. <laughs> um, these guys separate themselves really well. Uh, I, I think that's that's just how it goes. Um, I mean, the, these guys, when when they look the, the way they do and some guys struggle, it's pretty easy to pick. It's, but it, it's a rare occasion when you can be so confident in a number one versus number two uh, match. So Gable Stevenson's a, a prodigy for sure. Um, and I think without Kassar, he's pretty much a lock to win NCAAs this year. Uh, but moving down, another great matchup. Uh, number two, Hunter Boland versus number six, Lou Dupre. That's going down tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern. 
Um, and now keep in mind, this one is at Binghamton. Um, I, I don't really know how much that holds, but just keep that in mind. I don't know. You probably speak more to the Binghamton crowd than I can. Uh, I never wrestled a duel there, but I will say that Dupre is from the area, so wrestling at home is always nice. Yeah, for sure. But what do you think? Who you got? I got Dupre. I'm pretty high on him. Uh, I'm going to take him to take the W on this one, the upset. Um, I think Hunter Bowen's good, but I don't think he's really been able to um, to to really produce anything that – I mean, he's had a pretty – easy light season thus far i don't think he's uh gotten too many of great wins uh if if you can correct me um but they did they did wrestle at vegas did they not wrestled at vegas and i think i would like to say that bowling beat him didn't he i think he did yeah um yeah, I'm not 100% sure right off the top of my head, but I'm going bowling. Um, I'm actually, yeah, so we're, we're finally disagreeing here. But I'm going bowling. I think that I think Virginia Tech is sneakily one of the best coach teams in the country. I think they're somehow under the radar as, like, a top five team in the country. I think Tech has a really good team. I think they have a very realistic shot at bringing home the second team trophy in program history. Um, you know, and I think Bolin is one of those guys from having watched him and everything. He, he's just so hard to do anything with, you know, um, he was a runner up at the scuffle last year where, yeah, he did beat to in the semifinals three to two. Um, Bolin's a guy that, to me, and Dupre's kind of in this. I think they're both very consistent, but I, I'm extremely high on Hunter Bolin. I think his ceiling is super high. I think, again, having – and that's not a knock on the Binghamton staff. I just think that Virginia Tech is one of the best coach teams in the country, and I think that Bolin, between talent, between technique, and between the coaching staff, I think he finds a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a great match, and, uh, you know, it's it's not a um, – I mean, Bolin won, I think it was 8-3 to three at Vegas. Um, so he's the, he's the favorite in this match, but I still think he, um, that Bolin has the chance uh, to take that back. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to what's, what can happen. Um, I mean, this is going to be a great weekend of wrestling. Uh, yeah, lot, lots of good stuff going down. I'm excited for it. Um, I mean, another great one that I'm really excited for is Brayton Lee versus Cannon Store going down here in a little bit too. Um, there's there's some good good matches going down. Uh, Joy Silva's back in action too. So yeah, really excited for this weekend. Um, and I think that about does it. We can jump into some questions real quick um, and then wrap this show up. But Let's see if I, I can grab some questions. Um, let's see. I think we got some pretty good questions this week. Um, I, I'm really excited. I think guys are asking some good questions for us. All right. What, what kind of questions we got here? All right. 
so lots lots of topics on um what's going down between Zane and Jo. Um, what what's your pick there? If the version of Jo that we have seen the last couple of months shows up, I think he's the best guy on the planet. Um, so I'm going Jo. All right, me too. I'm I'm excited for that one as well. Um, all right, another question we got: Who wins, Cassiopeia or Stevenson? I think we've kind of made that clear that um, it's it's a good bet to pick Gable for every match. Um, but you know, you never know. No, and it's going to be really interesting. I'm super excited for that one because Cassiopeia is you know he's a big bodied guy. He is deceptively athletic. His hands and feet move so well. He uses his hands. He's the kind of guy that if you're teaching high school heavyweights, you're teaching junior high heavyweights, Cassiope might be the guy that actually probably would be the guy in college right now that I would show them and say, this is how you move your hands and your feet. This is how you both create angles. You bury guys when they try to attack you. Um, he does a great job on top, and he obviously he's a penner, you know. He, he's be one of the top penners in the country, so that is super intriguing. I'm still gonna pick Gable, but it you know nothing would surprise me. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Gable opened it up and won by three, four, five, six points. It also wouldn't surprise me if Cassiope found a way to win that match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, there's some stuff in there, and uh, I'm I'm with you. Um, Gable Stevenson's probably going to take that match, but Cassiopeia has a lot of potential. Um, I mean, a guy like that, a high school prodigy, multiple-time Fargo champ. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. Do you know when that duel's going down? Uh, off the top of my head, Sunday, I believe, right? I Is it that soon? Uh, I don't know, but if it's this weekend, it's Sunday. Yeah, because they're taking on, uh, Michigan dressed in Maryland, I think. One of them dressed in Maryland, I don't know who. So they would wrestle, yeah, Sunday. Wow, that's soon. Yeah, I'm excited for that for sure. There's going to be some good stuff in that. I did not know that, um... But I was gonna say, you asked that question. I'm like, man, am I nuts? <laughs> I was so confused. You threw me off there. I'm like, I was so sure they wrestled Sunday. Who's that? Iowa and Minnesota. Oh, I'm thinking Michigan and Minnesota. Okay, that's why I'm all out of sorts. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm the yeah. idiot here. So Iowa and Minnesota. That one I don't know. Uh, Iowa and Minnesota is February fifteenth. Um, oh. so it's going to be a while before that one, but it is coming up. I'm glad we're going to get that duel. Uh, Steve's and Cassio is going to be a great one. I don't know why. I guess uh, my, my brain was still stuck on Mason Paris and Gable for some reason. Yeah. That makes and, sense. and, and anytime I talk about Cassiope, I always think about him trashing Paris and Fargo. Yes. Yes. That, so that match. Those- those two were linked forever in my brain. So I somehow, some way, I went from Cassiope 
to that match, and I st- got stuck on Michigan with Paris. Yeah, that that happens. Um, but you know, uh, other matches that we could look forward to. Other questions that we have. Uh, talk about other matches. Um, one guy asks, "Who's your pick to win NCAs at 33?" I think. Uh, I've made it pretty clear that for now I'm sticking with Gross, but um, I could be pretty easily swayed to DeSanto after talking to me a little bit. What do you say? This is at NCAAs? Yes. Man. I... I take Rivera, actually. I I don't have any Hmm. black and white logic to this. Um, I mean, look, the Midlands match between Gross and Rivera, Gross, this is not to say that he never beats Rivera again, because that is just not at all what I'm saying. He could, he will never win the match that way again, right? Rivera dominated that whole bout, the, the officiating and the stalling and lack of just insanity. And then, you know, that it's, it was a beautiful move. The lateral drop from the bottom, no less, was a great move, a six-point move. But I just don't, you know, that's not a way that Seth is going to win that match again. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually came out of that match being more impressed with Rivera than I was going in. Um, Yeah, I just I got a weird gut feeling with Rivera. Um, it could I could be completely off, but I've always been really impressed. You know, the first time that I ever really sat down and watched closely watched him was when he wrestled Darian for fifth and sixth mm-hmm. as a freshman. Um, and ever since then, you know, it's not like he was some hidden gem after that, right? But you know, since then, I've made a note to really watch him closely. Yep, he's become wrestlers to watch, and I, I think. Yeah, I'll go with Rivera for right now, but any one of the three of those guys is a great pick. The thing with Gross that's super interesting, though, is that those years at South Dakota State where he was so dominant, you know, obviously running the table, well, running the table at 133 and winning a national title as a junior and finishing as a runner-up as a sophomore, one of the things that was kind of a hallmark for him was he attacked early. He always attacked and found a way to get on top early. And I don't know if it's that he's not attacking early now as much or if it's that he's struggling to score on his feet early. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Gross has kind of always been a guy that scores the vast majority of his points on the front half of matches, right? You know, and it seems like he's having more trouble doing that against high-level guys this year. So right. it's it's yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Obviously he split matches with DeSanto. He made some great adjustments for this their second bout. Um you know, and that was another one, just a wild, wild match. So yeah, it's gonna be really fun to watch that weight play out. The thing mm-hmm. that you can't discount with Gross is that he's extremely savvy. He uh, is. He is. I mean, if you go back to the Rivera match, he set that lateral drop up. You know, and I don't think, I think that kind of got overlooked, but he mm-hmm. suckered Rivera into that lateral drop. He intentionally 
fed him his hip and halfway relaxed and made Rivera think that he had conceded going out of bounds. And right. that is just like a wildly smart, savvy thing to do, especially in that situation, right? Like that's all you got. Right. And he, he hit a home run. So Gross is, you know, Gross is a winner, obviously. He's really savvy. Um, but I'll go Rivera just on gut feeling. Yeah, that that's a bold pick. Huh? I, I don't feel like he can get past DeSanto, though. I don't think he could handle that pace. I don't know, though. I don't know. It's going to be tough, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, Iowa Northwestern? Is that, a, is that a duel coming up? Gotta be somewhere. Let's see, sometime. It. see if I can find that. Yeah, here uh, I got. Yeah, I got Iowa schedule right in front of me. Okay. Iowa Northwestern. I don't think so. So I'm looking. Yeah. No, they don't wrestle in a duel this year. Hmm. That's that's crazy. They're they're in conference. That's odd. Um. Sad too, though. But I w- I wish we could see Desanto Rivera. Um, you know, I wish I could see so many matchups. But that that one's definitely at the top of my list. Um, I right, we'll do one more question, then get out of here. Uh, the first one, or the last one, is gonna be uh from Julius Grip. What's your opinion on how Kerry Colette is evolving the Campbell wrestling program? Uh, I mean, this one's this one's definitely apparent. Kerry Colette's done a great job. Uh, he's kind of a small school guy, wrestled at Lockhaven, coaches at Campbell. I think he has the potential to be like a big-time program coach, but he settles for a smaller school and, and does really well with it. What do you think about Kerry Colette? Uh helps develop a program so well? I think there's a lot of things. Number one, I think he's the perfect guy for Campbell. You know, where he's from, you know, we went to Jefferson Morgan High School down, I think that's in Greene County, but it's – in the way southwest corner of Pennsylvania, um, very rural area, so it's the perfect kind of upbringing. You know, he goes to Lock Haven. You know, he initially goes to Penn State, but then ends up at Lock Haven. Um, small town guy, right? Just blue mm-hmm. collar, small town guy. And I think Campbell's the perfect fit for him. You know, in that in that aspect, right? He just he fits that 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 type of people. Um, and he can appeal – his personality will appeal to the same type of kids, the same type of recruits that will like the campus, the area, the feel the campus has, right? So that's mm-hmm. a huge part of it is it's a really good fit. Um, Technique-wise, he can obviously develop wrestlers. You know, He knows all the technique yes. in the world. He's an extremely bright wrestling mind. Um so that so that's not a problem. Work ethic is not a problem. You know that was one of the things that he's always been notorious for. Um, he is just he's obsessive, you know. And when he wants to make something happen, when he wants to build his program, right, it's something that he's just consumed with. So work ethic is never going to be a problem. Um, he's got a great coaching staff around him. You know, I, I think they've done a great job of recruiting. They consistently – what they're kind of doing right now is they're getting the same type of kids that Edinburgh was getting when Flynn was there. Right. They are getting 
kids that you're not they're not that super top elite tier in high school wrestling but when you you're standing there at super 32 and you're wrestling kids watch a third and fourth place match right or you're watching the semifinal and you go man that kid's good who where's he going to school and you go campbell huh really right Mm -hmm. right that those are the types of kids that they're they're really building this program on um and that they build it on Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Kreiser breaking through to be an All-American was a huge step a few years ago. So I think Coach Kohler's doing an awesome job. To be honest with you, I don't think he ever leaves. I don't either. I think he's staying there. Uh, just like I said, he's a, he's a small school kind of guy. And uh, looking like that's what it's going to be moving forward. Mason, I think that about does it for this show of HMA Wrestling. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you being here. And uh, until next time. Yeah, man, anytime. Thanks for having me on. Uh, It's been real. It's been fun. And, uh, yeah, just keep doing good things. Awesome. All right, see you next time. Later on.